Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, December 14th, 2017. Now, this will be the last normal episode of the year. I'll explain in a minute. So much going on. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. You know, weird how that works. Over again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, that is being put out there, It's far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, and the insanity of so much, uh, well, uh, that's on the lunatic fringe is being injected right into the mainstream of evangelicalism, and it's absolutely sad and bizarre to watch. And so the idea here is by listening to Fighting for the Faith, you're going to become better equipped to rightly identify false teaching False claims to the prophetic, uh, uh, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, and identify when the Bible is being twisted, when it's not being rightly handled, when a pastor isn't even teaching a biblical text at all. Our sermon review today, we'll kind of get to that, but <laughs> you get the idea. So uh, this is a program that does have a tendency to cause weeping and gnashing of teeth. We get that. And uh, what we always recommend is never listen with an open mind. I don't need you to listen with an open mind. Listen with an open Bible and uh, give it a little bit of time. And uh, if you really are you know, really upset, don't worry. You're in good company. There are a lot of people who are longtime listeners to Fighting for the Faith who started off with being upset and thinking, who does this guy think he is? I mean, what a terrible, ugly person, and what a terrible way for him to treat other believers. Yeah, no, I get it. I actually get it. 
Keep listening. That's the best I can tell you. And uh, with a lot of people, the, a light switch goes on, especially if they want to open up God's Word to prove me wrong. That's always a great thing to do. If you want to open up God's Word to prove me wrong, please feel free to do so. I I, I welcome that type of listener. So let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Talk about our schedule for the remaining portion of the year and uh, what's coming in the new year. And uh, so this will be the final episode, normal episode of Fighting for the Faith for the year 2017. And uh, in next, so month, let's see, Friday uh, light episode. Next week we'll have a couple of light episodes with uh, focusing in on some Christmas uh, preaching and teaching, you know, to give you some compare and contrast to uh, what you will hear or what you have heard over the Christmas holiday. Uh, and then um, the best way I can put it is we are literally in boxes and dust and things like that as we are approaching the launching of a, a new endeavor. And uh, that we call, we're calling it Pirate Productions in-house. That's what we're calling it. And we're going to uh, intentionally begin to expand the offering here at uh, Pirate Christian Radio and Fighting for the Faith um, and intentionally move some things off into YouTube and have some productions that will only be available in YouTube. Uh, you know, kind of a, a, you know, there's a lot of things that we have planned and it's going to take us a while in order to uh, to get everything up to speed and you know get our camera equipment working and you know all that kind of stuff, so uh, next week will be one of those weeks where uh, it's going to be mostly dedicated to you know getting out of boxes, starting planning and and to getting on the ground. Then we got the Christmas holiday week off, and then Lord willing, if nobody gets sick, uh, you know I don't know what it is. Last couple of years, I uh, you know something you know I've I haven't been the healthiest in the uh, during the christmas holiday season but uh, our goal is to not exactly hit the ground running on, uh, with the first of the year uh, but instead to begin to slowly weave into our offering uh starting at the first of the year uh, new outlets uh, for what it is that we're producing here. So it'll include um, you know, individual segments of Fighting for the Faith put to video where uh, you'll be able to see my reaction, uh, see the video that I'm looking at, and, uh, and then we're going to try to curate portions of the archives of Fighting for the Faith and make them available as standalone uh, segments on uh, on our YouTube channel. So there'll be video, there will be audio segments that are converted to uh, fit the uh, the YouTube format. Uh, there's, uh, there's a segment that we want to uh, start to bring in, and that is, we've kind of in-house called it the uh, Fighting for the Faith dumpster fire. Now let me explain what that is. There are a lot of things that end up on the cutting room floor that do not get talked about here at Fighting for the Faith. If you saw, I mean, seriously, in order to put up one program together, uh, for every seg, you know, for every audio segment that you see, there's probably anywhere from three to five or more uh, segment, you know, segment possibilities that don't make the cut. And some of that stuff is just like the reason it doesn't make the cut is because it's um, <laughs> just. Um, too crazy. It's yeah. It, it you know, you kind of get the idea. So what we're thinking about producing on a regular basis, you know, is just taking you through the fighting for the faith cutting room floor. 
see what didn't make the cut for the regular program. Uh, you know, and, and then, of course, you know, there, there'll be other things that we're going to be offering as we get settled in and, uh, and you know, begin our really for real uh, video production work. So that is coming in the new year. That being the case, uh, <clears throat> let, me, but let me just put this out there. There is there has not been a better time for you to join our crew if you haven't joined our crew yet. Um, and we are available now also on Patreon. Uh, if you go to uh, patreon.com forward slash pirate Christian, uh, you'll find our if you want to become a, a patron of us via Patreon, uh, then then you can do so. But uh, the idea here is. That uh, you know, with us adding these new features, these new outlets, uh, you know, we're we're incurring new expenses, and the goal here is that uh, by you partnering with us, we're we're going to be able together to get the word out more and more about sound doctrine, biblical discernment, good exegesis, proper hermeneutics, and warning people about the current crop. And you kind of have to talk in those ways. Current crop of uh, popular false teachers and it changes by the way it changes you know one of the things i was uh, i was talking with my son about re- recently was the fact that 10 years ago the people who were super popular who everybody was listening to nobody was questioning they were the bee's knees um you know a lot of those guys they're not even around anymore they've they've had like major falls you know i i think of many of the luminaries within the emergent church movement as well as the seeker driven purpose driven vision casting leader movement if you can call it you know talk in those terms and uh, you know just kind of walking through you know one of the things we were thinking about doing is you know where are they now you know where where is Tony Jones? Where is Doug Paget? Where is Mark Driscoll? Where is Perry Noble? Uh, you know, and you know, and the and the list goes on and on and on of uh, you know, you think of Pete Wilson or Tommy Sparger, or, you know, fellows like this that uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, people were looking to them and they were being invited to major conferences and they were all the you know the rave. And, and, you know, now they've all kind of fallen off the rails and, you know, and no, you know, they don't have the platform that they did and rightfully so. But the problem is, is that they shouldn't have had the platform that they had in the first place because the things that they were teaching and the methodologies they were uh, pioneering are not biblical. And, you know, Christians didn't recognize that until... And it's sad to say, until there was something egregiously obvious, you know, as far as uh, <clears throat> moral failings and things like that. But and so the idea then is is that over the course of of doing fighting for the faith, I mean, there are there are a lot of guys that aren't around anymore. That's for sure. And uh, and the landscape is always changing. And uh, and and the the reality is is that ten years ago, podcasting was cutting edge. And uh, now podcasting is pretty much as standard as, you know, AM radio. And uh, and not everybody is into listening to podcasts or uh, they're they're not out on places on the Internet where they could readily uh, find fighting for the faith. And so the idea here is that uh, what we want to do is expand our offering and uh, make what we're doing available to, uh, you know, different venues and different uh, audiences on the Internet 
And so, like I said, this is a, if you've never partnered with us by joining our crew, this is a good time to do so. All right. So let's talk about what we're, what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate twin spin. We're going to check in with Lana Voiser. And, um, and apparently increase is coming. I, I don't know if you knew this, but increase is coming. However, it's coming in a new package. You may not recognize it. Have no idea what that means. <laughs> but, uh, you know, hey, increase is coming. Okay, the increase of what? Woes, tears, sufferings? You know, <laughs> increase is kind of vague. Uh, then we're going to be hearing from Patricia King how to see supernaturally. Um, have you figured out how to see supernaturally? Have you got your supernatural peepers working? Uh, we're going to check in with uh, Patricia King to see how that works out. And then we're going to listen to uh, Lance Wallnow, a portion of a video from his uh, Facebook titled Breaking Controlling Spirits. Breaking Controlling Spirits. I don't even know what that means. But I would say that this is probably an example, if we're even really able to get to it, because he takes forever, and I mean this, forever to actually get to the teaching portion of it in his videos. But I think this has something to do with the NAR uh, cosmic spiritual battle thingy that they do with territorial spirits and stuff. And uh, and then to round out our number one, which will go a little bit long today, we're going to uh, listen to an extended segment from a recent sermon delivered by Stephen Furtick titled, Do You Have the Stones? Mm-hmm. And uh, what's really interesting here is that you'll note by the question of the title that a double entendre is <clears throat> intended. The biblical text that he will be mangling doesn't imply anything of the sort. So, I mean, this is going to be a weird kind of, you know, bizarre forcing of a double entendre on the biblical text that doesn't exist. And, of course, all of this is regarding uh, getting a large end-of-the-year donation. And, by the way, the folks there at, uh, at Elevation Church have revealed the word for the year 2018 early. Uh, no, uh, we've, we've noticed that uh, in years past, the so-called word that God is giving to individual congregations oftentimes isn't revealed until their New Year's Eve services. And I hate to say it, but I'm intending on monitoring, again, health, <laughs> if I'm not you know, throwing up or experiencing the flu or something like that. But um, the uh, <laughs> monitoring some of the New Year's Eve services from certain big megachurches that make a big to-do about the fact that they claim that they're receiving words from the Lord. But, uh, you know, like Keith Crafts and, you know, the Cathedral of Frisco, Elevate Life Church. Can't wait to hear what the word of the Lord is for them. Uh, last, it was two years ago, it was Excel. And, and I was quipping on Facebook and Twitter whether the word for 2017 was going to be Word, you know, uh, you know, going with the Microsoft Office suite, something like that. So, you know, I put no stock in these things. And nowhere in Scripture are we led to believe that individual congregations or to receive specific individual unique words to rally around for a year. 
Yeah, so the whole practice itself is corrupt. But anyway, they did reveal it out there at Elevation Church. The the word for 2018 at Elevation is Waymaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have put a drum roll in there. But anyway, you get the idea. So we'll hear from uh, Stephen Furtick. Hour number two, again, hour one will go a little long. Hour number two, we're going to be checking in with Bill, Bill Cornelius. And, I mean, one of the... <laughs> Most egregious twistings of the uh, Bible story uh, of the birth narrative of Christ from the Gospels. The name of the sermon is "O Come All Ye Stressful." O Come All Ye Stressful, and unfortunately, if sound doctrine and, and proper exegesis are important to you, this sermon will actually cause um, stress. So. I just want to let you know that. All right, so uh, let's get to the program proper since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Twin Spin. Let's do this. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. over to the uh, Facebook of Alana Vwadzer, uh from Australia, and uh, she's one of these uh, ladies that claims that she is a prophetess. Um, oftentimes, her prophecies are as vague as vague gets, and uh, the best way I can put it is that uh, uh, she is like becoming the up-and-coming rock-and-roll prophecy star. Uh, in the uh, in the charismatic and NAR movements, and uh, she traffics in a whole lot of nothing is the best way I can put it. We've noted in the past that she gave the Wonder Woman prophecy. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what other movies has she touched? She gave the Bob the Builder prophecy. You know, this is a, a woman who oh, the, oh, and the Aladdin prophecy as well. I don't think we're going to be hearing from any popular movies today. But one thing we're we're 100% sure that you will not be doing while listening to Lana Vazer is actually hear from God the Holy Spirit through her. Yeah, that that's just not in the cards. But uh, here's Lana Vazer, and here's the name of it. Increase may come in a different package in this season. No idea what that means. If you want to grab your Fighting for the Faith Prophecy bingo cards and play bingo, uh, that might be a good idea, but uh, here we go. Welcome. Well, friends, um, I'm going to share a, a word with you today that um, has really been pressing on my heart for quite a while now. But in the last two weeks, um, particularly, I'm, I'm feeling a, a quite a strong urgency um, 
and when I say urgency, I don't mean bad. I just mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I feel an urgency, but uh, then you run to the restroom and, you know, <clears throat> things sort themselves out. A weightiness of the Lord, like pay attention to this. And She feels a weightiness. Mm, okay. Um, and so I've released a prophetic word uh, around this topic um, over the past couple of weeks. But this morning I was just sitting with the Lord and I felt very strongly uh, that the Lord wanted me to come on Facebook Live. And uh, She felt that the Lord wanted her to. Yeah, the feeling of the Lord came upon the prophetess Lana Vazer, who, who felt strongly, felt, 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 feelings, feelings, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. This is not a prophecy. This is these women's this woman's feelings are getting in the way here. And really release this um, as a key for many of you in this season. Uh, as we all know, this uh, we're transitioning. You know, there's a we're in a new season. Uh, things are happening quickly. Um, God is moving things. He's shifting things. And, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to me a lot. Yeah. Shifting is one of the prophecy bingo card words. It's not on. Every prophecy bingo card, but if your prophecy bingo card has the word shifting or shaking, you might want to start paying attention. About 2018, uh, you may have read the word I released, uh, but one thing that the Lord kept saying to me was unexpected, unexpected, and just this beautiful um, encouragement of the Lord that in 2018 there's going to be a great. Um, there's going to be a lot of divine surprises and there's going to be a lot of amazing divine surprises. Yeah, that's vague. Suddenly. And God's going to be moving. And suddenly, suddenly is a prophecy bingo card word. Hopefully, um, but possibly in ways that you don't expect. And uh, so I've, I've really been sitting on this. If you've been watching my broadcasts or read any of my prophetic words, you will know that when the Lord speaks to me, um, I am very intentional. Uh, I never want to hear what God is saying and go, oh, that's great, and just put it aside. I'm very intentional in engaging in what God is saying. So I've really been meditating on this word and um My heart really on this Facebook Live today is that you will be encouraged and you will be drawn closer to Jesus, that that you will feel... Now, I just have to challenge the the idea here. How am I going to be drawn closer to Jesus through a nonsensical, vague, hard-to-understand-or-interpret word that's supposedly coming from God that could basically mean just about anything that I want it to mean. How How is that supposed to draw me closer to Jesus? Uh, his presence and the weightiness of this beautiful invitation that I believe that the Lord is releasing. Um, sorry, I'm just having, a, I'm having trouble with some comments. So if you are typing, I'm sorry, my comment bar's playing up, so I may have to look at it later. Um, so... I'm sitting with the Lord this morning and, uh, and I heard the words, Lana, um, in this season, increase is coming in a new package. And, uh, and it really, um, it really struck me because it, it really confirmed in so many ways this whole area of unexpected, right? God is about to do things you haven't even imagined. You right. Know? We don't know what he's going to do, but trust me, you haven't even imagined it yet, you know. And if you have, then your imagination is off the charts. But nobody's imagination is that good. So, you know, you're going to expect suddenly, you know, things that are, were going to happen 
you know, unexpectedly and, and right. Uh-huh. He may show up in a different way than you expect. You know, he may. Uh- he may be wearing a false clown nose. I don't even like clowns, but you get the idea. I mean, unexpected ways. Yeah. He may provide for you in one of the most unexpected, random ways. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to uh, really show himself uh, in so many new and fresh ways and and really restore the awe and wonder to the church. I've been saying that for a long time, but I, I really feel like God is wanting to restore the awe and the wonder. Right. He wants to. We're not sure if he's going to be able to pull it off, though. It's all up to you whether he can or can't, but he wants to restore the awe and wonder thingy. Who he is. So as the Lord spoke to me and said, Lana, you know, the increase may come in a a different package in this season. Uh, He reminded me of a word that I released. um, Oh, golly. It might have been last week, I think. I've got it here just in front of me. But I, I titled the word an invitation from the Lord into a season of definition and redefinition. And this Right, into a season of definition and redefinition. And the weird thing is is that uh, what God is saying, apparently through the prophetess Lana Vazer, is really tough to define or even redefine word came out of uh, a vision that I had and I saw Jesus inviting uh, his people back to the drawing board. He was saying, hey, come back. Come, come back to the drawing board. Right. Yeah. I don't even remember being at the drawing board with Jesus. It doesn't sound like an activity that he would need my help with, you know, him being the creator and all. Come and seek my heart because I want to show you the blueprints for the season. I want to show you the redefinition. I want to show... He he wants to show us the blueprints for the season. I don't even know how to read blueprints. Uh, ...the different ways that um, I'm going to be moving in in this season. And this morning, as I've really sat with the Lord, he highlighted those words to me again, redefinition... And, uh, and definition. So there's a real redefining that God wants to bring to your season. And I, I'm feeling really strongly that as the body of Christ right now, that as uh, individual children of God, that we need to know the season that we're in. We need to know what God... Winter. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that doesn't even start for like another week. It's technically fall, but there's snow on the ground here in North Dakota. So, you know, I like to think it's the winter season. But, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, that it's either fall or winter. And, you know, winter starts with the solstice, you know, coming up. So, yeah. Decree is over our season right now. We need to know what he's saying and what he's doing so we can align with it, so we can engage with it. And then what he's saying so that I can align with it. What does that even mean? She's saying words, but the words don't mean anything. Come arrest. Because I've been feeling over the past couple of weeks, and the Lord's been showing me, many in the body of Christ are feeling that transition, but there's also a feeling of unsettledness. There's a feeling of, God, what's happening? What are you doing? And I saw that in um, unintentionally, when we don't know the season that we're in, and we don't know what God is saying specifically for our lives individually, for our season, we can often fight against the season with without even realizing. Right. I mean, you wouldn't want to fight against the season now, would you? Uh, Yeah, that's just terrible stuff when you fight against the season and stuff. 
she's saying a whole lot of nothing. And she's probably one of the best at it, too. And her Australian accent uh, just, you know, just adds to the aura and the mystery, if you would. Uh, but one thing I'm 100% sure is that we heard nothing from God the Holy Spirit from Lana Vazer there. Um, in fact, what we heard didn't even make any sense, if you think about it. And which kind of just begs the question, why would anybody, why would anybody think that what this woman is saying is actual prophecy? I mean, I've read horoscopes, and I don't read them. I'm not, I'm not a horoscope guy, but I've seen them over the years. I've read horoscopes that have more specificity to them than this. This has all the feeling, all the, mm, you know, the, the best way I can put it, it, it has all the same elements as somebody giving a cold reading, but not to a specific person but trying to give a cold reading to a group of people. And uh, this this has more akin to fortune-telling than actual prophecy. And I'll stand by what I just said there because, yeah, this, this, isn't, this isn't prophecy. This is just like going and getting your palm read, you know, but even less specific than that. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from Patricia King, Lance Wilnow, and Stephen Furtick. Extended second segment. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Gibberish is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. Gentlemen, we have two basic suggestions for the design of this megachurch, and I thought it best that the architects themselves came in to explain the advantages of both designs. That must be the first architect now. Ah, yes, this is Mr. Wapcat of Finkel, Dewey, and Grime. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, yes, the design I've devised for the new worship center has all the aesthetic beauty of the Crystal Cathedral with all the advantages of modern technology. Um, the congregants step through these wide double doors here are carried along the corridor on a conveyor belt in extreme comfort past the youth worship basement, the adult worship rock and roll arena, the monster truck smashing train, and into the Sarlacc pit. The last 20 feet of the corridor are heavily soundproofed. The congregants slide down these chutes here into the open mouth. Excuse me. Hmm? Did you say Sarlacc Pit? Um, Sarlacc Pit, yes. Uh, are, are you proposing to digest our congregants over a thousand years? 
Does that not fit in with your plans? No, it does not. We wanted a simple megachurch, not a death trap. Ah, I see. I hadn't correctly divined your attitude towards the congregants. Uh-huh. You see, I mainly design occultist cathedrals. Yes, pity. Mind you, this is a real butte, not your average satanic mosque with people's beating hearts being ripped out of their chest or burning sulfur pits and convincing passers-by with burnt eyebrows. I mean, my life has been building up to this. Yes, and well done, but... We did want a mega church and not a temple of doom. Well, may I ask you to reconsider? I mean, you've no idea how modern and relevant this place can be. Think, think of the tourist trip. No, no, it's not going to work for us. By the way, um, why the Sarlacc pit? Well, it's a pretty standard feature in all of my projects. You see, if you're going to preach heresy, you might as well not even bother waiting. Just send them to the afterlife quickly, is what I've always said. You mean heaven? <laughs> Thank you. You may leave now. Hypocritical puss buckets. My apologies, gentlemen. The next architect is Miss Parsons of Cromwell and Hague. Good afternoon, gentlemen. As you may notice from my scale model, the design takes us back to our ancestral Christian roots. Observe the white bell tower, the baptismal font, the organ at the back of the Stop. church, and... I beg your pardon? You've completely missed the whole point of the megachurch. Uh, you've made something irrelevant. How is the seeker-driven church going to attract prospective customers? I, I mean, uh, congregants. Isn't church about worshiping Jesus Christ and hearing and learning his word? Jesus has got nothing to do with this. We need tithers, not decrepit old people clinging to their crack leather Bibles and going on and on about how the music's too loud and how the preacher doesn't read enough scripture, complaining about the coffee shop in the main foyer and how they charge too much for a double chocolate spring hazelnut latte. But they still pay the fourteen ninety nine for the latte because the water in the drinking fountain tastes like arsenic. <clears throat> That's enough, Miss Parsons. The answer is no. Very well, gentlemen. Have a good day. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. 
click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Uh, warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, people like Lana Bozer are fortune tellers, not prophetesses or prophets, because that's really more what they're like. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us it is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. And then Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. Of course, if you would like to support Support us on Patreon. You can do so at patreon.com forward slash pirate Christian. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're going to be hearing from Patricia King. Let's reset this up. Here we go. So I was having this wedding, and and we had, we well we didn't have we Shaba Shaba Shanda Yeah 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 Shaba Oh <laughs> Shaba Shaba. Yeah, that's right. That's um, Heidi Baker and Shubba. Yeah, and the sound bites there are for real. She actually does go on like that. So we're heading over to Patricia King's uh, XP Media and uh, listening to her explain to us um, how we can see supernaturally. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it rhyme, but uh, I'm not much of a poet, and I know it. But uh, <clears throat> let's uh, check in with Patricia King as she tries to explain to us how to activate our spiritual eyes. Uh, here, here we go. I was asked to share about how to press in to see supernaturally. and S- Somebody asked you that? <laughs> You know, I just I, I listen to Patricia King's claims, and it's like, who would ask you that? You know, I was asked to, you know, explain how do you press in to see supernatural. I don't even know what you're talking about as far as this pressing in thing, and what exactly are you pressing into, and with what are you pressing? Is my first question. But then, of course, my question also is, 
who would ask this? I mean, in my 10 years, almost 10 years, it'll be 10 years in uh, June of next year of broadcasting on Pirate Christian Radio, nobody has ever once asked me, it, you know, Pastor Rosebro, could you please comment on and explain to me how I can press in so I can see supernaturally? Nobody has ever asked me that question. And I think there's a real simple reason for that, and that is is that the Bible doesn't teach it. And if the Bible did teach it, you wouldn't need me to explain at least how to do that. I mean, you would open up to, you know, Fourth Hesitations, chapter 97, and go to verse 6, and right there you would see, Thus saith the Lord, you know, in order to presseth in, (laughs) so thou mayest seeth, Supernaturally, uh, the, you know, the step one is, you know, really, you know, pull the pin on the holy hand grenade, you know, count to three, not seven, not four, not five, but three. And, you know, things like that. But see, there's no text that talks this way. So already the whole premise of the video. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that, that, it, this smells like a con job to me. So I'm pondering what to share with you that will be, Deep nuggets for you that'll help. <laughs> I, my apologies. I just had a junior high moment. <clears throat> she said the word, the phrase deep nuggets, you know. Position you to see into the invisible realm. And I guess. I got to play that again. Wow, that was bad. Listen again. What to share with you that will be deep nuggets for you that'll help position you to see into the invisible realm. And I guess. Deep nuggets they're going to position you to see into the invisible realm. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. I'd like to sell you, uh, you know, there's this really large tower, really famous in uh, Paris. I, I can, I happen to own it. And if you'd like to buy it from me, I could sell it to you for a song. One of the first things to realize is that you can. Mm. Uh, you- yeah, because those deep nuggets really help position you so that you can see supernaturally, right? Can see, because God has given you eyes to see. And, and the Apostle Paul realized this because in Ephesians 1, 17, he prayed for the church at Ephesus and he actually asked God to open up the eyes of their understanding. Ephesians 1, 17 and 8. <laughs> really, do you think that Paul, the Apostle, talking about the, uh, their eyes being opened, the eyes of their understanding, the eyes of their hearts being opened, that that is synonymous with and the same exact thing as seeing supernaturally? I don't think so, lady. And so he wouldn't have asked the Lord to open up the eyes of understanding if there were no eyes to open, right? <laughs> oh, man. Does this woman understand what a, you know, like, you know, a metaphor is or, you know, how a phrase, you know, like a phrase or an idiom works? And so God has eyes. We know that. So he created us in his image. So we have eyes, not only natural eyes, but eyes to see with his perspective. Really, we have eyes to see with God's perspective. Which text says it? Because Ephesians 1.17 doesn't. Through his vision. So the first thing is to know you do have eyes and you can see through eyes. That's what eyes are for, so that you can see. Now, some of you might be thinking, but I feel blind. Well, Bartimaeus, he was, he was blind. And he was a beggar at the side of the road and begging 
for, for alms because he was allowed to legally do that because he was legally blind. But when he heard about Jesus coming through, he rose up and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Yes, blind Bartimaeus did say that. And he wanted Jesus to restore his physical eyesight. This is not a story about nuggets to press in so that you can see supernaturally. He yelled out and everyone tried to quieten him and he kept pressing in all the more. And finally, Jesus said to his disciples, go get him, bring him here. So they went to him and said, the master is calling for you. And he threw off his cloak. He threw off the old identity and went to see. Threw off his old identity. What? Jesus, Jesus said, what can I do for you? He said, I want to receive my sight. And immediately, Jesus didn't hesitate. He... No, yeah. See, 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 you just got to cry out, Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see supernaturally. And Jesus won't hesitate. He'll, you just, but make sure you throw off your old identity first while pressing in. Uh-huh. to sight. And I think it's important for you to, by faith, receive your sight. Right. You see, you, you got to receive it by faith. But didn't she just say that we already have it? Why do I need to, by faith, receive it? (sighs) (laughs) You'll notice that uh, nowhere is she going to a biblical text to actually show us where it talks about. Well, she doesn't actually go to a biblical text to give us the nuggets that we need in order to press in to see supernaturally because there's no nugget text like that in Scripture. And don't say anymore, no. I cannot see. No, so whatever, you just don't say you can't. You got you to lean in. This is a nugget she's giving here. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, when you pray, believe that you receive. And you- right, see, you just got to, you know, it doesn't say that you have spiritual eyes anywhere, but you got to, when you pray, just believe that you receive spiritual eyes and God will have to give you those. I cannot believe this woman it, it, it makes a living trafficking in this nonsense. I'll have it. You don't just wait until you've got some kind of manifestation. When you pray, believe that. Right. You've got to believe that God's going to give you spiritual eyes. You didn't, you know, can I pray for like really cool spiritual hair? Could I pray for a spiritual six-pack of abs, you know? Is that the right way of talking? about? I would like that. Yeah, I would like a spiritual uh, six-pack abs. Yeah, I, if, all I got to do is pray believing it, and then boom, I'll receive it. Yeah. Have you received your spiritual mullet yet? Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't know that you could get a spiritual mullet. Now, spiritual mullets, very rare. They were pretty popular in the 80s. But, you know, if you pray right now and believe that you will receive it, God will give you a spiritual mullet. Receive. And so receive your sight by faith, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. That's all you got to do. Yeah, those are some interesting nuggets there. Um, again, it's just overwhelming to me that, uh, that people are b- believing that they're receiving biblical teaching and learning anything about Christianity. Um, by listening to people like Patricia King or Lana Vazer. Uh, you know, do, do you think for a second that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, or maybe the prophet Isaiah or Malachi, 
um, that James, you know, the half brother of Jesus, or Jude, or John, the apostle, do you believe that they that they knew that all they had to do was spiritually lean in and press in and believe that they could have spiritualizing that God would give them that so they can see supernaturally? Do you think they believed any of this nonsense? No, they didn't believe any of it because it's not taught in Scripture. This is not a biblical teaching. This is a twisting of Scripture to make it appear like it teaches this, but it doesn't. But she hasn't rightly handled any single text at all. All right, moving along. uh, Time for a new Apostolic Reformation update. Let's do this. Chief what do you want to do tonight? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Before each night is done, your plan will be unfurled. By the dawning of the sun, they'll take over the world. The pinky and the brain, yes, pinky and the brain. The twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overflow the earth. They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. All right, so we're heading over to the Facebook of Lance Wallnow, who has begun teaching on uh, Facebook Live. And the name of the message is Breaking Controlling Spirits. Apparently, this is some part of some Bible study series that he's now doing on Facebook Live. We'll let Lance Wallnow explain what he's up to. Again, I, it, it takes him forever, and I mean this in the truest sense. It takes him forever to actually get to the teaching, so I'm not even sure if we're going to get to it. But if he does, I think this has something to do with the uh, NAR thing about controlling territorial spirit thingy. I'll let him explain. Here we go. So, having said that, we're dealing with breaking controlling spirits. America is under siege. By controlling spirits. America is right now dealing with the harvest that is continuing to multiply like dandelions and weeds on a well on a, on a well manicured lawn. And now the believers are coming alive and the political processes are becoming engaged. And people say, well, Lance, how come you're up on politics? I mean, I say, oh, it's like I got to deal with the reason why I'm talking about breaking controlling spirits is because I have to deal with them all the time. Now, if I was in a nice little charismatic... Mm, so Lance Wallnow deals with these controlling spirits all the time. He is a veteran of controlling spirit wars, apparently. Stream talking about prophecy, dreams, destiny, vision, gifts, and God's end time purpose for your entrepreneurial vision and how to fund yourself with kingdom wealth. Hundreds of thousands of people want to listen. But if I talk about what exactly is happening right now in the United States and, and pull the veil back upon... The spirit of Leviathan and the operation of deep state and how deceptions and spirit. Leviathan deep state, got it. Taking place. And uh, and I begin to get specific. Lance is off on politics again. He's off on politics. If he's still on Trump, but he's still talking Trump. It's very frustrating. But I'm going <laughs> to. Right, yeah. This video is for sure. Back to the point, which is the Bible study here. Okay. Is to build the spiritual foundation to explain why I'm doing the other stuff I'm doing over there. Right. I was wondering when you were going to do that. Yeah. Too long the church has been living in its own little quarantine bubble. 
talking about bubble boy. We're living in our own bubble over here. We don't even aware of what's going on out there. And then it's like anxiety set in with this last election, and a bunch of them leaked over and voted and affected the whole outcome of the election. Congratulations, we did something. But then we want to go back to the bubble. What is he even talking about? He traffics in nonsense as well. Ooh, let's just talk about, we've got to get, we actually put the bubble around the United States. How about this? Expand the bubble. Pull that bubble out this way and get it over your government and over your state and over your... Right, you, you got to expand the bubble thingy. That's how you break the controlling spirit stuff, by expanding the bubble thingy. Neighborhood so that your children have a future. Right. And that we just don't have a, a short election cycle with a, a little disruption. Okay. From an outsider. Yeah. Anyway, the spirit we're dealing with is a spirit of lawlessness. It's a spirit N-O-M-O-S, uh, nomos or namos. Ah, namos. Uh, yeah, no law. So I'll have to get my Greek uh, interpreter for me. But the word for uh, lawlessness, which is the nature of Antichrist, what we're dealing with in America isn't progressive liberalism. It isn't like Hollywood or media or academia. Those are the strongholds, the high places. Those are the tops of the mountains, academia, media. And entertainment. There's the seven mountain mandate right there, uh huh, which is a demonic counterfeit to the Great Commission. I hate to say it, uh, but the the Bill Bright, you know, seven mountains mandate uh, thing that is a hallmark of the NAR as to how to take dominion over the earth, you know, with the seven mountains. This is an alternative counterfeit commission. Christ has not commissioned us to conquer mountains. Nope. He has sent us out to make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching all that Christ has commanded, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. That's what we're supposed to do. But Lance Wallnow here talking about, well, in order we, in order to do this seven mountain, man, take control of the media and the government mountain and all this kind of stuff, we're going to have to, you know, break the controlling spirit thingies. This is a total waste of time. This has nothing to do with making disciples. And you're going to note, what he's indoctrinating people into is not biblical doctrine. He's not making disciples in any meaningful way here. No, he's distracting people and taking them off mission. Out of which a stronghold operates. Strongholds, what Jesus said. He said that, you know, he said basically a stronghold is where the strong man operates, where a spiritual intelligence occupies influence over the minds of people. Yeah, you're even twisting Jesus' description of the strong man, you know, and that was more like a parable. That have vast disproportionate influence over others. And so the church should be aiming to go to where the gates of hell are located, and that's where the elites are. Where exactly are the gates of hell located? Could you show me on a GPS? Elites are the kings in the Bible who the gospel goes to. And we're supposed to be going there as Christians. You should be going up the mountain of God. You should be going up as a king. You should be going up as a priest. You should be going up the mountain. Actually, it's not going up the mountain of God. Have you gone up the mountain of God yet? I'm not even sure I know what he's talking about. And I've been a Christian like my whole life. Going up to the strong man's house. That's why I tell people the higher you go, the darker it gets. And if we think about it, it makes sense. The higher you go, the more you're going to where the power is. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. None of this makes any sense. Which biblical text are you teaching on? You said this was a Bible study, at least in the title of this thing. And as you get closer to where real power is, you run into spiritual powers. 
Consequently, it gets darker as you go up the mountain. Talk to anybody that goes to the mountain of finance, the mountain of, of celebrity. You're looking at the glitz part. You're looking at the popper. Have you gone up the mountain of finance or celebrity yet? It gets darker the higher you go, apparently. Yeah, I'm not sure where these mountains are. Maybe they're in the Alps. Maybe it's in the Himalayas. I forget. Imagine why, why is there so much, um, you know, uh, so much sordidness coming out right now in the Weinstein revelation and what really goes on in Hollywood. God's pulling the veil off of what is at the top of the mountains, people. That's always been there. It's out of control, right. perversion, luck. Right. It's, it's, God's finally taking the lid off that thing. So here's the idea is that if you could see the video, the background is uh, what, you know, like a, a very full bookcase. And Lance Wall now is a guy who presents himself as one of these fellows who really knows what he's talking about. I mean, he's well read. He's you know, one of the scholars of the NAR. And you have to put the word scholar in air quotes. Um, yeah, he's one of the. The brightest luminary, the, the one of the sharpest minds of the NAR. And so, you know, you sit there and you listen to him and you go, I don't know what he's saying, but man, it's, he's so smart and he's got books behind him. It, this must be true. No, he's not saying anything at all. <laughs> Lana Vazer didn't say anything. Patricia King didn't say anything. Neither did Lance Wallnow. I mean, he's and all the and people are sitting there eating this stuff up, going, "This is the best stuff ever." I'm a better Christian because of the ministry of Lance Wallnow. No, you're not. You're you are less of a disciple the more you listen to this fellow. Oi, I think you get the idea. Moving along. Yep, time for a Stephen Furtick update. about you you're so vain 
bet you think the Bible's about you, don't you, don't you? All right, so we're heading over to Elevation Church. A little bit of an extended segment here. We're going to be listening to Stephen Furtick mangle the Word of God. He's going to be in the Old Testament book of Joshua, where the children of Israel are crossing the Jordan River. And God specifically gave orders to the children of Israel that they were to grab 12 large stones from the center of the river. Yeah, and that's right. There's a reason for those stones. We'll get there when it comes time to uh, take a look at the text. And then Stephen Furtick is going to twist this text by engaging in a double entendre, which the text doesn't even imply, by asking the question of the people there at Elevation Church, do you have the stones? Which, if you understand how the turn of phrase is used here in the United States, basically it means, do you, do, are you brave or courageous? That's probably the easiest way to explain it. And all of this is because Stephen Furtick is attempting to get a large, ginormous, end-of-the-year tithe offering out of the people of Elevation Church. Wish I was making that up, but I'm not. We'll uh, let Stephen Furtick set this up for us. He'll explain that they're about ready to give a tithe. He'll mangle parts of Joshua 3 and 4, and we'll note the double entendre as well, which is a twisting of God's word. Here we go. Someone asked me one time, if I'm inviting my friend to church, should I do it on the offering weekend? I said, that would be the best time to do it, because if they hear us sing, if they, if they see us lift our hands, all of that can be done without love. But you can't, you can't. By the way, the, yeah, come on, you're right, amen, that's all coming from the bullpen. They look for volunteers who will speak up loudly and agree with Pastor Furtick. It's a manipulation technique. Give sacrificially unless it comes from a place of love. And what's about to happen in just a few moments is thousands of people across all of our locations and online are going to bring an offering to God. It's part of our expansion offering, but really what expands during this time is your faith. And I know what's going to expand is Stephen Furtick's um, month, uh, annual salary, things like that. Yeah. I want to set as a backdrop from Joshua chapter 4. Remember, I'm not going to preach, but I mean, here's my Bible, and so we might as well, we might as well, we might as well read this. It's a, a little bit of a faith picture, and uh, it talks about uh, what we're about to do, but it, it puts it in the historic context of the children of Israel when they were going into the promised land. Yeah, he just said they're about ready to give an offering there. And Joshua 3 and 4 is the story of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River to finally go into the promised land and take possession of their inheritance. That's not what the people of Elevation Church are about to do. Now, we possess promises spiritually in Christ, but Joshua was leading the people to possess them physically. So the dynamics of faith are common across our spiritual experience. Yeah, you're kind of missing the whole type and shadow thing going on there in the Old Testament. This is actually pointing us to Jesus. 
experience and their physical experience. Look for them here. In Joshua chapter 4, actually I want to start in chapter 3 verse 17. If we pick up that verse, then we'll have a running start into chapter 4. And we'll just, we'll, we'll just, it'll, it'll just mean so much more. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Touch your neighbor, say, don't get left behind. Um, if by don't get left behind, you're talking about eternal life. Read Hebrews 11, by the way. Hebrews 11 makes it clear that the real promised land is eternal life, the new earth. This is a type and shadow, a picture of Christians going to the real promised land being led there by Yeshua, that's Jesus' Hebrew name, by the way. Um, so there's a picture here of us getting to our inheritance. This is in type and shadow in the Old Testament, and this is still to come in the future when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead and to destroy the current heavens and earth and make a new heavens and a new earth. Uh-huh. So he's missed all of that, and he's turned it into something else. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord, which represented the presence of God. Go over before the ark of the Lord, your God. Is he your personal God? Your God. Is he your God or was he grandma's God? Have you taken ownership of your faith experience? Because sometimes faith skips a generation. Sometimes it's possible that somebody made a way for you to believe, but then you just you just walk in the way, but you don't make a way for anybody behind you. Yeah, this is narcissism. This has what you're saying has nothing to do with this text. This is a historical narrative of an actual event that took place in history, whose theological significance is really locked up in the type and shadow that points us to Jesus and Him taking us into our true inheritance, eternal life in the new earth. That is the real promised land. And so, keep reading, Furtick. Uh, where are we at? Uh, uh, Lord your God, uh, where was it? What verse was it? Five? Lord your God. Oh, into the middle. We've been preaching about the middle a lot this year. We talked about how the miracle is in the middle. That place where you really have to trust God. The miracle's in the middle. Oh. Gag me with a spoon. See you through. It doesn't take faith once you cross the finish line to talk about how good God is. Can you stand in the middle and believe God for a miracle? In the middle of the Jordan, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, 
What do these stones mean? Tell Now notice, Joshua 4 verse 7 is where he's at. That these stones were to be a sign for future generations. Let's take a look at it in context. Joshua 4 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, then Yahweh said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of Yahweh your God into the midst of the Jordan. Take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. Notice, there's no offering going on here. Taking the stones out and setting them up would be a sign for later generations. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a a memorial for ever. Uh Uh-huh. It's a memorial to basically remind them of what happened. That the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When the Ark crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. God controls the flow. And faith moves God to move on your behalf. Really? That's nonsense. What he just said is just gobbledygook. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They didn't ask a lot of questions about it. Because it's kind of ridiculous, you know. We already made it through the Jordan. We're, We're standing at Gilgal waiting to go into the promised land. We've been waiting 40 years for this moment. Because Moses didn't take us in. Because his faith waned. Because you could be looking at something but not go in. If you don't have the faith. To cross over and step into it. If I don't have the faith to cross over and step into what? Exactly. You've just taken this text and evacuated it of any meaning. I mean, you've done to this text what Lana Vazer does with her so-called prophecies. Now it's become vague and undefinable. And that's where we are today, many of us on the edge of believing God. And, uh, but the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. God doesn't always require understanding, just obedience. Yeah, just obey, man. I don't know what stones he's telling you to you know, pick up, you know, but you got to obey. Notice that this is all the preparation for a year-end offering. And they took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So they cross through the Jordan. God makes the water so that they can walk through on dry ground. God says, go back. 
into the waters that you just came out of, the ones you waited to cross for 40 years, and bring out something that will... They didn't wait across waters for 40 years. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. ...what I brought you through and set it up in a place where you will never forget what I did for you, where you will never forget that my faithfulness endures through all generations. Whose faithfulness? God's. Okay. And they set up the stones and they are there to this day. Now, the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over and as soon as all of them crossed the ark of the Lord and the priest came to the other side while the people Watch Back to uh, verse 9. Joshua set up the 12 stones. No sermon title today, just a question. You ready? Look at your neighbor. Look him in the eye. And ask. Now watch what he does with this. This is a total twisting of this text. My question is one question. One question today before we give our offer. And ask him this. Ask him, ask him uh, do you have the stones? Uh-huh. Notice now we've totally changed the meaning of this text altogether. So apparently it's up to, do you have the stones? And by that, he means, do you have the courage to make a a big year-end offering to Elevation Church? Are you brave enough? That's what he's doing. But that's not at all what this text is about. <laughs> he is taking the meaning totally out of this in order to manipulate them to write a large check. In a few moments, you will answer that question. Don't answer it with your mouth. Because you can honor God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah, so do you have the stones? By that he means, are you getting ready to write a large check to Elevation Church? Total manipulation. And a manipulation of God's word. He didn't exegete that properly. He manipulated that text just so that he can ask the question, do you have the stones? But that text isn't about you having stones by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, what we just heard there was sick, manipulative, teaching for shameful gain the things that ought not to be taught. Even if Stephen Furtick doesn't personally, financially benefit from this year-end offering, it's all about expanding his kingdom there at, um, at Elevation Church. I think you get the idea. All right, we're up on our first, second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we are going to be listening to Bill Cornelius mangle the uh, Christmas narrative. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. This might feel like theological waterboarding, but you'll get used to it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. 
And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. We're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. One of the weirdest twistings of the nativity portion of the Gospels that I've ever heard. Really weird. Hope you're sitting down. That's all I got to say. Let's do this right. The good, the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon (laughs) comes to us via Bill Cornelius. The name of the sermon is, Oh, Come All Ye Stressful. Yeah, I mean, you're going to learn that the nativity story, the birth of Christ, and, you know, the announcement of that Mary would be pregnant and stuff. There, there are some real good nuggets in there about how to address the stress in your life that you probably have never even considered from that angle. Yeah, talk about relevant. Forget the fact that we have a Savior born to us, although he'll mention that. Forget the word. That's really not the big thing. The big thing about the Christmas story is learning from it the steps that you can apply, that you can lean in, in order to activate less stress in your life. Wish I was making that up, but that's the truth of what this is going to be. So let me back off on the music. Without any further ado, here's Bill Cornelius and O Come, All Ye Stressful. Here we go. Do me a favor, pull out your notes, uh, something to write. You may say, well, I don't have notes. Well, uh, it's been a busy week. I apologize for that, but I'm going to give you some notes to take, and so you're going to give you some things to write down. First of all, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. You guys got in front of me on that one, man. I got to Yeah, now, I mean, as glorious as that might sound, that's not what the mission of the church is. Jesus gave the mission of the church. That's to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them all that Christ has commanded. Um, 
So as laudable as that is, take as many people to heaven as they can, period. I mean, yeah, that's that's great and all, but no church gets to have a different mission than the Great Commission, just saying. So um, already we're off to kind of a weird start. Up with you, I love it. So again, thanks for being a part of our services today. How many of you guys feel like you just have more to do than you have time? Anybody relate to that? You feel like, man, I'm just... Yeah, it's... Producing this program and all the other things we do. Yeah, it's more to do than I have time. Overwhelmed with all the activities I have to do. And then, you know, then you add Christmas. See, I think it's not that Christmas is stressful because of Christmas. I think we're already pretty stressed. We're already pretty overloaded and busy with stuff. And then you add Christmas to that. And it kind of puts it over the edge for us, right? Puts us over the top. All of a sudden, you're like, man, I'm already busy. Now I've got Christmas parties to worry about. Now I've got to get the lights on the house. Now I've got to get organized because I've got family coming to town. I've got to get all the gifts ready. I mean, there's all that on top of a busy schedule kind of puts us over the edge, doesn't it? And so if you are like me and you get a bit overwhelmed at Christmas time, Today's message is for you. We're going to talk about the wise men today. But as we do that, I know the first thing people think about the wise men is that they went and they worshiped the Savior. Of course, that was the whole point of the wise men, right? But how they got there... Yeah, that's the whole point. But how they got there, it's all about stressful time management stuff. Very interesting. And so what did they do along the way? If these men were so wise and we should study how they lived their lives, what we can determine from them and how they made this journey. And so let's talk about that today because I believe that one of the reasons why we're overwhelmed is because we all have a load to carry. Every one of us has some kind of load to carry. We all have responsibilities. We have mortgages or rent to pay. We all got stuff to do, right? And I don't think the answer is for us to, to not be overwhelmed is to quit doing that, to skirt our responsibilities. That's not the answer. So the answer is in how we carry it. I, recently, I went to a physical therapist. You guys know my back has kind of been giving me fits lately. And, and uh, I went to a physical therapist, and she told me, she said, you know, Pastor, it's not that you are carrying too much of a load. That's a nice way of saying I'm not too fat. And so she said, it's not that you're carrying too much of a load. She said, it's how you carry it that's the problem. I thought that sounds like most of us, doesn't it? It's not that we should. So this sermon is really based upon your trip to see your physical therapist regarding your back problems? Uh-huh. We can carry the load we have. It's just how we carry it determines whether we're hurting or not. And so she said, we're just going to teach you how to strengthen your core. We're going to teach you how to walk differently, how to really sit upright, how to sit right. I thought, oh, so posture matters with the load you're carrying. And the same. What does this have to do with the wise men? Way, our posture matters and the responsibilities we carry as well. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Look at the scripture. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 is where we're going to start off. It says this. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me back up. So keep your place in the Bible there. If you, if you have a Bible in front of you or a Bible app, that's fine too. I want to read another scripture first. Luke 2, 14 says this. Give glory to God in heaven and on earth let there be peace among the people who please God. Isn't that good? Do you what translation is that? Have peace. Let me ask you, do you have a sense of peace about you right now? Or are you like, man, I am busy and crazy. By the way, that's the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on peace. A man among whom the Lord is well pleased. Something to that effect. And the last thing I would describe myself as someone that's peaceful. God wants you to have his peace. He really does. And so now let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Let's talk about the wise men and, and, and what they did. Right. Let's glean how they handled stressful situations so we can be better at handling the stressful situations in our lives. 
Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So they showed up in Jerusalem and listened to how clear to worship the newborn king. They were about what they were there for. We're like, we showed that they showed up. They'll say, hi, I'm Bob. And this is, you know, Larry. And this is so they didn't do that. They didn't go. And this is what we're, you know, we live over in the east of such and such. They didn't do any of that. They said, hi, we've come to find Jesus, the, the newborn king of the Jews. Where is he? Notice how specific it was, right? I wonder if we can learn a lesson from that, that they were all about single tasking. Not mo- what? What? <laughs> right, yeah. They, see, that's what the Christmas story is really about in The Visit of the Magi, which, by the way, is an epiphany text. Um, <laughs> is that the... Uh, they were all about single tasking rather than multitasking. Give me a break. By the way, that's called a historical anachronism. Yeah, you know, if this would be as historically anachronistic as if Bill Cornelius said, "Did you note that they didn't eat microwave burritos?" Um, which means that they really cared about their health and things like that. They were into one of those paleo diets. Historical anachronism here, single tasking versus multitasking. These are modern day concepts. Multitasking. We think we're so smart because we multitask, but the truth is, is that we're just overloading ourselves. What if we just learned a single task again? Just do the one thing you need to do. Get that done and the stress will go away. If you're like me, the one thing you need to do, you don't want to do. I mean, you can relate to that. Taxes are due. You'll do anything but taxes, right? You never want to clean the house. The day taxes are due, you'll clean the house. Like you do everything but the one thing you need to do, right? And so it's just funny how that works. You know, you got homework to do, right? And you're like, I want to do anything but homework. And so, but if we learn to do the single task we're supposed to do, a lot of our stress goes away because that's what's weighing you down. Is that one thing you know you, you need to just Get it done. Just, just, just do that. And so I want to encourage you that oftentimes people are grasping for our time. And then this, is, this happens especially at Christmas. You get invited to all kinds of Christmas parties, all kinds of events. And some of those you want to go to, but some of them you really don't. But yet none of this has anything to do with the visit of the Magi who were there to worship the newborn king. You feel obligated to go to everything, don't you? Are you like me? You're like, you're like... Sure, I'll do that, knowing I don't have time, knowing I'm too busy, right? But somehow we feel like we're supposed to do it. So they show up in Jerusalem, and guess who meets him at the door? Herod, the king. He's like, hey, what are you doing here, right? His men are there. They're like, what are you doing here? We came to meet the newborn king of the Jews. His men are like, whoa, there's another king? And so they go and tell Herod. Herod's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? There's, I'm the king here. There's no other king. So he calls his men in, and they're like, okay, go get all my, all my you know, advisors. I want to hear from them. Is this true? There's supposed to be some king of the Jews. And they're like, yes, sir. 700 years ago, Isaiah prophesied that there would be king of the Jews. They're like, you're kidding me. He was like, yeah, it's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. According to this, according to Isaiah. So he's like, well, I need to go find out where this baby is. And so then King Herod brings in the wise men and says, after discussing with his advisors, hey, you guys come here. I want to talk to you real quick. So this is what he says to them. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Well, fat chance of that. We know he wasn't going to worship him. He was going to kill him. 
In fact, we know Herod tried to kill Jesus. He didn't, he didn't succeed, thank God. But he did try to kill him. He killed all the newborn first, first, first uh, males of all the families of the Jews, which is horrific what he did. And so, but that's how much he was threatened by this newborn baby Jesus. Isn't it amazing? A baby Jesus. Jesus is so powerful that as a baby, he's, got, he's intimidating kings. How, think about that. How powerful is that? He's intimidating even a king. It sounds to me like Bill Cornelius also has a bullpen. Who, you know, has all the power of all of Jerusalem, and yet he's literally scared of him. But what's interesting to me is he says, hey, come back here. Let me know where he is. Well, they don't do that at all. So these wise men are wise enough to know that they need to keep their agenda and not listen to other people's agenda. Uh, You do know that the text says that an angel warned them. Uh Yeah, this is just so awful. Isn't that important? What does this mean for you and me? If you want to write something down, would you write this down? Number one, make time decisions based upon your convictions, not others' agendas. Make time decisions based upon your convictions, not other people's agendas. Job 14.5 says, our time is limited. You, God, have given us only so many months to live and have set limits we cannot go beyond. What if someone told you you only had so many months to live? Would that change your life? Would it change how you acted day by day? Would it change what you do day by day? Well, I'm here to tell you, you, don't, you do only have so many months to live. It's just that it may be years, but it's still only so many months. So when you hear so many months, you think, whoa, whoa that means I don't have very long. You describe it in months. But we don't know how many years we do have. And so that actually is a big deal for us to understand that. So many months does matter. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.12. It says, everything is permissible for me. But not everything is beneficial. Just because you can go to that event doesn't mean you need to. Just because you can do this doesn't mean you should take your time. You ever found yourself binging on a TV show? Not because you really want to watch it, because you just don't want to stop it and actually do what you're supposed to do? Right? Just Yeah, this text has nothing to do with binging or not binging on Netflix. You're to lose myself in, you know, stranger things and actually look at the things I should be doing like meaningful things, you know what I'm saying? So it's funny how we have a tendency to do that. So we need to make time decisions based on our convictions and not just other This text isn't about making time decisions. People's agendas. And so it's important we do that, especially during the Christmas holidays. Look at Matthew 2, verse 10. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. So when they did find the Savior, they immediately worshiped him. Look at Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't. What? What? <laughs> the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, that's from the message paraphrase. That's not what scripture says. Say anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, wow is right, because that's not what the Bible actually says. To live freely and lightly in our lives. This means, number two, that we need to spend time in worship to create what I call emotional margin. Right, yeah. See, the story of the Magi, it's all about building emotional margin, man. Have you been doing that yet? Margin is space in your life that's not requiring anything of you. And so when you, when you get with the Lord, you know, last week, wasn't that powerful when we all got on our knees together and worshiped God? And you could just sense the spirit of God in such a powerful way. 
It was an amazing moment. But that's not limited to last week's message. We can do that any time. Just hit our knees and just honor the Lord. It creates an emotional margin. We need time margin, like we talked about earlier, about not letting other people control our agenda, right? That's building time margin just because someone says, we want you to go to this or go to that. You don't have to say yes. In the same way, we need to create emotional margin, which is where you spend that time with God. Say, Lord, I just need you right now. I just, I just ask you to fill me up. And I just want to worship you. Wise people still worship the Lord. And so they came to worship the Savior. When you stop and worship God, he's honored, but it also fills you up. This is why it's so important to come each weekend to church. Because this is the one thing that when life gets crazy, you can always count on God speaking to you. You can always count on his presence. You can always count on being. Yeah, it would help God to be able to speak to these people by having you rightly handle a biblical text and you're not. With the Lord. And so I want to encourage you that this holiday season to make sure you're faithful to church. Make sure you're also faithful during the week. You just stop every day just for a few moments. You say, God, I just want to honor you. I just want to stop before I get out of bed and say, Lord, I just love you. I just, I just want to tell you that, that you mean the world to me, right? You say that great prayer every day. Say, God, you know, I just want to thank you, Lord, that I haven't sinned today. I haven't cussed. I haven't yelled at anyone. I haven't had a bad attitude. I haven't done any of that. But, Lord, in just a few moments, I'm going to get out of bed. After that, I'm going to need your help. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? So we all need that time with God to say, Lord, I just need you today, and I want to honor you right now. When you do that, he fills you with his power, with his presence, and you can just have that peace knowing God is with you. So when they found Jesus, remember the star stops over where he's at, they immediately realize this is where the Savior is. They go in, they immediately hit their knees, they worship him. And then in worship, what do they do next? They do what we're about to do here. It says, then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we know gold. Did you catch what he just said? What we're about to do here. They're getting ready for their Christmas offering there at um, Church Unlimited. Mm-hmm. It's very valuable. If you give gold to someone this Christmas, I bet it's not just your third cousin, right? You're like, no, no, that's, that's the kind of gift you give someone that you love dearly. That's, that's like a husband-wife gift, boyfriend, girlfriend, Fiance, that's, that's one of those level gifts. That's not something you just dole out to anybody, right? We know gold's expensive. Um, then frankincense is something you give. It's a gift that you, that's befitting of a king, of, of someone of royalty. And myrrh was like an oil that you would give uh, to embalm a, a royal person who had died. King Tut was embalmed in myrrh. And so, so why would you give myrrh to a baby unless you knew that baby's destiny was to give his life for all of us? That's why they gave that gift. And so number three is to give Jesus your best. And so in just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to bring our offering to the Lord forward in the middle of the service here. Just a few moments, we're about to do that. Before I do that, I just want to stop and pray. And you know, people across all of our campuses are going to be participating in this moment. And I believe we're entering into a holy moment. Those of you who are visiting with us, this is not normal. We don't do this every week. I can count on one hand the amount of times we've done this in service um, in 20 years as a church. So it's a very rare moment, a special moment. If you have taken the time to fill out your card and, and to put that commitment card with a gift inside the envelope, if you'll just do that now, uh, if you've not already done that. And if you've already done it, if you're sitting next to your spouse, would you just reach over with that envelope and just have both of you grab that envelope together? 
Maybe you're sitting with your family. You may even let your, your kids stretch across and, and put their hands on it too since you're giving this as a, as a family. And just earlier, a little girl came backstage and wanted me to... So notice he's not really focusing in on worshiping Christ or the fact that the Savior has been born. No, it's about you know single-tasking versus multitasking, making the best decisions of your time, not letting people get you off track. And, of course, since they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I just want to remind you to give your best to Jesus, make your check payable to uh, Church Unlimited, care of Bill Cornelius, Corpus Christi, Texas. Meet her because she gave her bicycle to the Lord today. Do you understand the precious value to a little girl to give her bicycle? Earlier today, a little boy, they brought me this. They said a little boy put his Xbox money in an envelope, and he, he tested God. I love this. He said, okay, God, if this is really what you want, then let one of the leaders walk by me on the way out. Isn't that funny? He put it in his pocket, and sure enough, Pastor Zach said, I just walked by him and said hi. And he said, come here. <laughs> he said, what? He said, I know God told me. He just sold his Xbox. I guess he had plans for that money. He said, I know God told me to give my Xbox money to the church. Here it is. Why would God tell you to give money to a church that doesn't rightly handle God's word? How crazy is that? <laughs> Sacrificing for God. This is a jewelry, jewelry appraisal. That came with this. So apparently we're now done with the biblical portion of this sermon. Now we're giving examples of people who've given, uh, you know, sacrificially. And this is to prime the uh, giving pump there at Church Unlimited. And someone gave a, a beautiful diamond ring that obviously was from an engagement. I don't know the history of the engagement. But they gave this the Lord today and said, just get what you can for it. So if you're about to ask your girlfriend to marry you, you may want to come see me <laughs> and hook a brother up. But do you understand the precious value of a gift like this to someone? This is more than a diamond, isn't it? This is someone's life. This, there's a history behind this. And they say, Lord, I want you to have that. Wow. Bringing their treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the wise men did and they were single-minded and had good Time management skills. You do too. So make your gift payable. Big one, by the way. Sacrificially give. We're talking about a king here, you know. Incredible. This may help them close a chapter in their life at the same time. What's your treasure? What's your gift today? I'm going to stop for a moment and just pray and ask God to do something special at all of our campuses right now. So done. Yeah, you get the point. Yeah, so much for focusing in on the newborn king, the Savior who's come to save us. Instead, it's all about giving money and time in time management, you know, and single tasking versus multitasking, right? They learn nothing about Jesus except for he expects them to write big checks. Wow, what a mess. I think you get the point. What'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.